Well, good morning. My name is Derek Carpenter. I'm one of the pastors here. And I've been reminded to tell you, uh, after I preach, I zip down real quick to Minden to preach at that location. So if you see the pastor walk off the stage and leave, that's why. It's not like I'm sick of you guys. It's just that's, that's the way we're doing it. Because I, I got word. They're like, where did he go? Like he was here. And, he's got... and down there, there's people like, where did this guy come from? He just walked in and hopped up. So I failed down there to introduce myself. So that's who I am. Um, so this, uh, this past summer, we went to Colorado, uh, the church I grew up in, and we got to go to my grandmother's 90th birthday party. And so it was kind of a big party, a lot of food and a big gymnasium. <clears throat> and it was fun to be in there and have just person after person get up and share stories about my grandmother and my grandfather. My grandpa died when I was nine. Uh, but I remember when I was a kid, he was one of the main people at the church building doing the work and stuff. So he... Uh, we went up in the bell tower looking for mice, stuff like that with, with Grandpa. <clears throat> but where we were having the, the party was in Hammer Gymnasium. The gymnasium was named after my grandparents. And as people got up and just shared over and over, it was just a powerful time of a fruitful, celebrating a fruitful life. You know, it's not a life that's over yet, <clears throat> but a life that's you know, deep into it, that they had significance in many lives. There was one guy that got up and shared, and he was somebody that as I was a kid, I saw him as a real spiritual giant, and because he is a spiritual giant, but he shared that when they moved to Woodland Park, that was the town, when they moved there and they visited that church, it was my grandparents that invited them over for coffee, and they, they hung out, and they said, man, if, if these type of people are at that church, that, that's where we want to go. That really spiritual, you know, healthy spiritual people looked up to my grandparents. Now, on the other hand, I've been to funerals and experienced deaths where people have a hard time finding something good to say. And maybe you've, maybe you've seen that where you go to a funeral, and the best thing they can say is, well, he's not as bad as his brother. The... the the point is when, when your life is over, you know, maybe you've never done this, but it's a powerful thing. What do you want people to be saying at the end of your life? You know, have you written down, you know, what, what would your eulogy be? Or in the newspaper, what do you want written about you after you pass on? And then when you stand before God in judgment, is he going to say, well done, good and faithful servant? Now, I can say with confidence, my, both of my grandparents will stand before God and hear, well done, good and faithful servant, because they lived fruitful lives. So I want us to take a minute and look at us. <clears throat> Are you living a fruitful life? Do you want to live a fruitful life? Kids, look at me. This message we're going to look at today is for you, and I, I need as many of you as want to to come up here. Kids, come here. Come on. I'm going to need some help. And I want to turn this mic on if I could. Because as we're talking about a fruitful life, here, kids, come right around here, right around here. A fruitful life is very similar to fruitfulness in farming, fruitfulness uh, in, in planting seeds. So everybody grab a seed. There's a bunch of seeds sitting around here. Everybody reach through and grab one. Here you go. Here's a seed. No, there you go. Don't eat them. Don't eat them. Did you get one, Levi? Levi? That would be weird. Okay, so is this mic on? Cool. All right. Now, kids, I want you to look at these different types of soil. Now, we're going to read a story in a little bit where Jesus tells a story, a parable, which is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning about the kingdom and about the word and how it's received into hearts. And he's going to compare it to farming. So let's start with this one. Somebody 
with their seed, do you think it's going to grow very well in that? No. No way. Does somebody want to explain why not to everybody else in here? Yes. Who wants to explain it? Me. Blaine? <laughs> Blaine, tell us about this soil here and whether a seed is going to grow in that. Um, it's because it's solid. It's solid, so... Yeah, that, yeah, that's good. That's good. So, wh why won't why won't a seed grow there? Cause it's hard. Cause it's hard. Yeah. So, what happens when you drop the seed on it? it oh, it just it soil. just oh. It won't break. It, okay. Okay. It wouldn't get it. All right. Off. It did bounce off. Yeah, the seed just bounced off. All right. Now, somebody describe this soil. Will you? All right. Here you go. And uh, here, I'll hold it. Describe this soil. It has lots of rocks in it. Yeah, it does. Is there some dirt? Mm, yeah, some dirt. Some dirt. Do you think a seed will grow well in this? No. Why not? Because there's too many rocks. Too many rocks? Mm-hmm. Well, what's that make? What's that matter? The rocks will <laughs> interfere. Oh, good. Growing. No, would you add anything to that? The roots won't be able to go grow in the rocks. The roots won't be able to grow in the rocks. Very good. All right, next one. <clears throat> Does somebody want to tell me about this soil? Right over here. T tell us what we're looking at here. It has too many flowers, so this, a seed won't grow in it because flowers need space. Wow, that was good because flowers need space. Things need space. Yeah, and this is all full of weeds already, huh? Yeah, that's a good and job. A seed can grow there. Thank you, Blaine. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, last one. Does somebody want to describe? Oh my goodness, all kinds. Let's see here. You know, we're gonna go right here this time. River. The seed will grow. <laughs> <laughs> you, you think you, you think a seed will grow? Oh. Okay. You, you guys all see this one? Yeah, but you have to bury it. River. You have to bury it. River, you have why to do bury you, it. You have to bury it? Yeah. And why do you think a seed would grow well on this one? Because it doesn't have any hard stuff, and it's not hard, and there's no rocks, and, and it has space. And it has space. Okay. Good soil. And it, yeah, and it's, and it's mushy. Okay. That's good. Hey, now, you guys can go sit down. You can take your seed with you if you want. Don't eat it. But take, take your seed. All right, now, now kids, good job, lots of seeds. All the seeds are, okay, so, so kids, we're going to look at, the, at a Bible passage today in Matthew, so turn in your Bibles to Matthew, and listen, kids, I had a meeting with all your parents earlier, and if, I did, and if, if after the service is over, you can explain to your parents the main point of this Bible passage, or you can tell them something that stuck out to you. They're going to give you a treat later. <laughs> well, that's, that's up to your parents. So pay attention, take some notes, and we're going to see what God says, not just about soil, but how a fruitful life will be planted. Let's read Matthew 13, verses 1 through 11 says this, <clears throat> that same day, Jesus went out of the house and he sat beside the sea and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat 
and he sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Here's, a, here's the main point. So kids, if you want to get a treat later, you might want to write this down. Here's, here's a big point. A life of fruitfulness and meaning is dependent on how you and I respond to the good news of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. And we see in this parable four different responses to the good news about Jesus Christ. The seed there is the word of the kingdom. It's the seed. It's, it's the truth about who Jesus is. And there's four different responses that we're going to see in these verses. Real quick question. Is anybody a little bit confused by this parable? I mean, Jesus is, yeah, thank you, Blaine. Jesus is teaching this to great crowds. And who's in the crowd? All kinds of people. There's religious people. There's curious people. There's bored people just passing by. Who's this Jesus character? All kinds of people are listening to this parable. Why does he teach in parables? Why, why not just bluntly tell the truth? Say what's going on. Well, he starts in verse 9 by saying, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then in the next verse, verse 10, Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? So the, the disciples had the same question. And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance but from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Jesus taught in parables so that those who wanted truth, wanted understanding, would get it. So that those who were just there because they were curious, it would go over their heads. Those who weren't really interested in truth, they wouldn't get it. And the little bit of truth that they might have would be taken away. The seed here, this is, this is the seed, this is the truth. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Jesus Christ is the promised Messiah. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but God sent His Son. God became flesh, lived a perfect life, and then died on the cross for our sins. When Jesus died, we sing this song often, it is finished. When Jesus died, all of our sins were placed on His shoulders. And it was finished. Darkness covered the land. Horrible thing. An earthquake happened. Jesus, God, died. He was taken off the cross. He was buried in a tomb. And three days later, he rose from the dead. The tomb was miraculously opened. And Jesus walked around for 40 days showing himself to people. Eating with people. Hanging out. Talking. Making breakfast on the beach with his disciples. For 40 days, he hung out teaching them about the kingdom. Then he ascended into heaven. He floated into heaven while his disciples were watching him. And he's going to come back in the same way that he went. 
And salvation and a life of fruitfulness is only possible in Jesus Christ. That's this seed. Now, how are we going to respond to that seed? That seed is the word of truth. And I want you to understand this. In our day and age, this is very applicable because this is an exclusive truth claim. Jesus claims to be the way, the truth, and the life. There's no way to the Father but through him. Acts 4.12 says there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. This is an exclusive truth claim. And a life of salvation and fruitfulness is dependent on how we respond to that. Our culture right now tells you, believe whatever you want to believe. That can be true for you and my truth can be true for me. That's not what the Bible teaches. There is absolute truth, and it's dependent on how we receive it and what we do with it. I was in Starbucks some months ago. I might have shared this story before, and I got talking to a guy sitting next to me. He was a young man, and he was denying absolute truth. You know, he said, everybody can believe what they want to believe. I said, that's bogus, you know. <laughs> I said, there is a such thing as absolute truth. He's like, no, there's not. I said, what color is your shirt? He says, well, I think it's red. I said, well, we agree. It's red. He said, but somebody might be colorblind or somebody else might choose. They come from a different culture and they call red blue. And so they could call it blue. I said, okay. I said, well, how about this? Say you're on a cliff. We talked about it for a while. And then finally, I said, you're, you're on a cliff with your best friend. And your best friend looks over and says, I can fly and I'm going to jump off. Can, can a human fly without help? No. No, no, thank you. I said, there's an absolute truth. We can't fly. So say your friend thinks he's, he can fly and he's going to run and jump off. Would you stop him? And he, 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 but this guy kind of fumbled over. He's like, well, I, you know, I said, so it would be intolerant for you to stop him because if he believes it's true for him, it could be true for him, but you know, he's going to jump off and die. And there, there, his argument of truth kind of broke down, but he still wanted to believe what he wanted to believe. He was kind of like that hard soil. Get him a parachute. Get him a parachute. Yeah. <laughs> a life of fruitfulness. Listen. A life of fruitfulness depends on our heart response to the truth claims of Jesus Christ. So, Jesus tells this parable. He's in a boat with his disciples. The crowds are on the beach there. And the disciples turn to him in the boat and they say, we don't get it. Basically, we don't get it. And they seek understanding and they get it. Flip forward to verse 18, Matthew 13, 18. Now Jesus is going to explain the parable of the soils to his disciples. He says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, that's the word of Jesus Christ. We just described that. The word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. So, real quick, where is this seed, this truth of Jesus Christ, sown? It's sown in the heart. Not just the mind. It's sown in the heart. The heart, the way they understood it, was the seat of, of who you are. Your mind, so intellectual thinking, your emotions, and your will. The things you choose to do, that's your heart. And so this seed is sown in the heart. And the first one is on the path. And that, that was this hard soil that we were looking at. And, and whoever described that, Blaine, did, you did a great job. It's hard. It, it can't bear fruit because the seed bounces off. That is the hard heart Jesus is talking about. That's the heart that doesn't want truth. 
And there are these people all over the place. They choose evolution. They want evolution to be true because that means they're God of their own life. They can do whatever they want. And there's this hardness. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're here because mom or dad made you come or husband or wife made you come and you're actually hard to the truth. Well, you're here, so that's a good sign. I would encourage you to soften yourself that this is true. Now, on the other hand, what do we do with the hard heart? Maybe this is a brother or a sister, a friend, a coworker, and you begin to share spiritual truth and it just bounces off. They might even get angry coming back at you. What do you do with that? Back off. <laughs> back off the hard heart. We pray for God to soften them. I dealt with this with my son when he was in, in high school or even junior high. And he'd come back and he would have these debates with other kids in school about creation versus evolution. I said, stop it. They don't want that truth. Love them. and commun- do, you, do you fight with them just to win? He's like, well, yeah. <laughs> I said, no, that's not us as Jesus followers. We want to love them and share truth with them. It's not about being right, although it's right. But it's not about winning an argument. It's about winning souls. The hard heart... This is in your notes, if you're note takers, kids. The hard heart, a person so hard-hearted and committed to their own way, they're not interested in truth. The next soil, verse 20. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, they immediately fall away. So here's, picture the scene, and, and they would have known, Jesus' listeners would have understood this scene. The way they sowed was they would just, they had a bag, and they would walk down the field, and they would just fling the seeds out. They would just throw them out, ideally landing them in the fields where they, you know, furrowed, and, and they made it soft and ready. But they're walking along the path and throwing it, and some land on the path. And we saw that. That's the hard heart. Some land on the edge because they're really flinging it out there. And when, when you prepare a, a field to plant, you go through and you remove the rocks and you stack them on the side. You get them out of the way. Well, those rocks on the side, the wind would blow and some of that good soil would get over and just be in the cracks of the rock. Again, the kids did a really good job describing the rocky soil. Nothing can grow. Somebody said it because there's no root. I think that was Noah. Yeah, you both were pointing out. You said there's no space because of the rocks. And you said because the soil is too shallow. That's exactly it. So this is the person, Jesus says, they hear the word. They hear that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. They hear Jesus saying, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am meek and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. They hear that and they go, that sounds good. I want in but they're shallow. This is the person, they tried the yoga thing, they tried the meditation thing, and now they're going to try the Christian thing. But it doesn't last. It looks good at first, but it doesn't last. Why doesn't it last? Two things, tribulation or persecution. When tribulation or persecution arises, they fall away. Tribulation. It's kind of cool that that word is different from persecution. Tribulation is an internal pressure. So this is not persecution. This isn't somebody coming from the outside saying, oh, you're a Jesus freak. Oh, you're stupid. You know, you shouldn't believe in that. Creation isn't true. 
This person is the one that has the internal pressure. They respond, then they start coming to church, and they hear things like Luke 9.23, where Jesus says, If anyone wishes to be my disciple, they must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. So they start hearing, wait a minute, I just want my fire insurance and go to heaven and then live however I want. You get to know the Bible, and Jesus says, no, follow me. Following means patterning, patterning, patterning your life after Jesus. It means putting him first in your life. Now, we don't do this perfectly by any means. But this person hears it, and they go, oh, wait, you want me to give of my time? You want, you want me to give of my talents and of my treasure? I, I don't really want to. You know, I, I want to still do what I want to do. Wait a minute, I have to give up sin? But I really like this sin over here, whatever it is. I really like that. Yeah, and you're telling me I can't do that? Well, that's judgmental, so I'm just going to go do what I want to do. And they, they fall away. They are shallow, tribulation, or persecution. This is what comes from the outside. So somebody responds, then they go to work or they go to school, and somebody starts making fun of them. By the way, kids... If you really follow Jesus at school, you will get made fun of. You okay with that? No. No? <laughs> yeah. no? Really, if you choose to follow Jesus at school, you will get made fun of. And the shallow person gets made fun of, and so they abandon it. They walk away. They're persecuted. They say, it's, it's not worth it. In this country, we are so blessed but it's also a mixed blessing. We're blessed in that we don't have a lot of real persecution that they have in other countries. But you know those other countries where that real persecution is happening? India, China? The church is booming. You know why? Because the Christians are real Christians. Because it could cost them their life and they choose to follow. Here, we can go to church on Sunday for an hour and be a Christian and it doesn't cost us much. So here, the shallow person is the one that's not willing to pay any kind of cost. If you're a note taker, the shallow heart, shallow person not willing to endure hardship for Jesus Christ. As I was thinking about how do we apply the shallow heart, I said, if this is you, get over yourself. Right? Because that's this person. It's all about me. I'm coming to Jesus in church because it's about me to feed my needs. Get over yourself. It's not about you. It's about God. That's why I love starting with worship. I love the songs we sang. It's about Jesus. By the way, Jesus loves you so much he gave his life for you. But it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. This also came to mind as I was going through this. Why do we choose to follow Jesus? Because of the benefits? I would say we should follow Jesus because he's true. The benefits are great. But it's true. There is no other way. So really, there, there isn't another option that will get you there. There's worldly options. There's other religions. But they're false. They're lies. They won't get you there. So the main reason is because it's true. All right, next soil, verse 22. As for what was sown among the thorns, or here we have weeds, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world... And the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. That's this one. By the way, aren't you guys proud of our kids? <laughs> They're so insightful as they look at this. And by the way, Jesus says that we should all respond to the gospel like a child. We should all have faith like a child. Children, they just believe. That's the way we should believe. But so whoever was describing this did a really good job. 
No, it's not going to grow because these are going to take all the nutrients from whatever's going to grow. These are already here, and they need space. They need space, which I thought was, was wisdom. Plants need space to grow. Have you ever had a tomato fight in your backyard or a watermelon seed fight, and then later you find a watermelon or a tomato plant growing somewhere that a seed landed? Maybe only at our house. But we've, we've, I found tomato plants growing in weird places under bushes and stuff like that. But they're, they're thin, you know, their stem is thin and they just lay on the ground. You just pull that out because it's not going to bear fruit. It's not getting the sun. It's not getting the nutrients. It's not going to bear any. It might get little fruit, but they'll never actually turn into edible fruit. That's this weedy person. The weedy heart, the weedy heart, this is a person too busy or distracted and deceived by money and worldly pursuits to enjoy a fruitful life with Jesus. This is the weedy heart. What, what, is, uh, what does he describe here in verse 22? Sown among the thorns. There's two things here that distract this person. The cares of the world. What are the cares of the world? They are many. They are many. And if each of us listed the things that we care about that draw us away from God, we would each have our own list. But there are many cares of the world that can choke out a fruitful life with Jesus. Maybe it's kids' sports. I see this all the time. And we, we've struggled with that. Kids' sports, it takes so much energy to be doing these things. You don't have time to go to church. How come you haven't been at church? Well, we're too busy doing this stuff. Uh, deceitfulness of riches is in there, but, but work. You know, how many of us are working six days a week, 10 hours a day, and we don't have time for anything else? You know, why, why don't you get up and spend time with Jesus in the morning? I don't have time. I've got to get to work. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. The cares of the world. Right now, we're in the midst of building a house. And so this is really hits me a little bit as I wake up in the morning and I'm like, Okay, it'd be really nice to get into the house. And so we've got to do the deck and we've got to do the septic. And, we, you know, and there's this whole list of things that I got to do. And so-and-so has shown up and I got to call that person. It's like, but really, I should go spend some time with Jesus first and connect with him. But I got all these things to do. Am I the only one that deals with that? <laughs> we as Christians can deal with that. The real context of this passage is the initial receiving of the word. That's the context. So... There's four soils. Three are not saved. So to, to apply this to Christians, we've got to be careful there because the context is there are three that aren't actually saved because they don't ever bear fruit. But we as Christians can struggle with this one, being weedy, being distracted by the cares of the world. What's the other one? Deceitfulness of riches. Deceitfulness of riches. You ever uh, fallen into that? All we need is just a little more money. You know how much money is enough? A little more. Uh, and then you get to that point, oh, and now we need a little more, a little more. The deceitfulness that riches will create security. Jesus said, I will give you security. It, earlier in Matthew, he, he talked about not being worried about where you will, what you will eat, what you will wear, where you will sleep. He said, instead, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be given to you. As much as you need, maybe not all that we want, but as much as we need, he will provide. There's a deceitfulness that if we build our portfolio, we'll be okay. We'll go to Walmart and see the retired people that went back to work because of the crash and the retirement didn't turn out to what they thought it was going to be and they had to go back to work. There's a deceitfulness of riches. When I was in college, um, there's a, maybe you've heard of Amway. 
Amway became Quickstar. They changed the name. And so when I was in college, I thought, well, that sounds good. I can do this business and I can get financial freedom to do. I wanted to be a missionary. So I'm like, okay, so I'll build a bunch of wealth and then go do, you know, spend time with Jesus doing his ministry and not have to get paid for it. I still would love that, but that hasn't happened yet. But I remember going, if you're familiar with some of these multi-level marketing things, you go to meetings, you have meetings. And, and so I was riding in a car with, with a couple probably in their 40s. They were in my upline, if you're familiar with those things. And I was sitting in the back seat. I'm 20 years old or so. And they're talking about their kids. They've got two kids at home. They both were working. So they had day jobs. And then they do this nights and weekends. And I remember sitting in the back seat and I said, so when do you spend time with your kids? They're like, well, once we get to a certain point, we're going to have enough money that one of us can quit working. Then we'll have a lot of time with our kids. We'll have, a lot of, we'll have more money to give to the church. We'll have time to serve at church. I said, but what about right now? They're like, well, we can't right now. And I went, you guys don't know how foolish you sound. And I'm just a kid in the back seat going, you're spending all this time seeking out riches so that you can have time with your family and at church when really you could just live within your means and then you would have time right now with your family and for church. <laughs> but they were deceived. They, they, they wanted the money, and they thought they wanted it for a certain reason when they could have had that right then. So that, that's the deceitfulness of riches. Don't be deceived. Are you weedy soil? Do you believe, but not enough to make Jesus a priority? Be honest with yourself. Do you, do you believe in Jesus, but really these other things are more important? The weedy person would align within the book of Revelation. Jesus talks about the lukewarm believer. He said, you're lukewarm. He said, either be hot or be cold. Have you ever had lukewarm coffee? Blech. Hot coffee's good. Iced coffee's good. Lukewarm coffee? Jesus says, I want to spit you out of my mouth. The weedy person is lukewarm. It's like, yeah, I'm kind of in... Kind of not, sometimes when it's convenient. Jesus wants us to go all in with him. He is worth it, and he is true. I did some study. Uh, kids here, you need to pay attention, and parents, what do you think the biggest distraction is right now? For parents, but also for kids. Screens. <laughs> Screens. Yeah, cell phones, entertainment. Check this out. There was a study done. This was a couple years ago the study was done. On average, kids under 8 years old spend 2 hours and 19 minutes a day in front of a screen. Kids under 8 spend, on average, 2 hours and 19 minutes in front of a screen. Kids ages 8 to 12 average 4 hours and 36 minutes a day. Think about that. We can be so distracted, you know, and, and I mean, we've all got our cell phones, Wake up in the morning, what's the news say? What's going on with the, you know, Supreme Court stuff? What, I mean, all this stuff is right here. Entertainment, movies. We've got it all right there and we're distracted. How about this? Teens. Teens. Average of nine hours a day in front of a screen. And it's true. And when they went through these studies and they talked to teens about multitasking, these kids are doing Instagram and Facebook, probably not Facebook anymore, but Instagram and the other things while doing homework. So whatever they're doing, it's like this with the screen. Do you think we can faithfully follow Jesus if we're so distracted all the time? Are we weedy? All right, the last one. Verse 23. As for what was sown on 
good soil. This is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. The good soil hears and understands. And maybe not fully understand. It's okay to not fully understand, but seek clarification. They hear, they understand, and they receive the word. That's the soil. One of the kids talking about that soil. Oh, you drop it in and it sinks. You have to bury it a little bit. Somebody said, that was really good. That was you, River, huh? Yeah, you have to bury it. It's the same with God's word. Is it buried in our heart? Does the truth of Jesus land in our heart and sink in? Or does it bounce off? Or is it distracted? Does it, does it become part of who we are inside the good soil? And the good soil produces fruit. This is what's cool about this. God, Jesus, he bears fruit in and through us. We don't become saved and go work hard for him. We become saved, we abide in him, and he bears fruit in and through us. And you notice here that the fruit, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30, not everybody bears the same amount or kinds of fruit. We're called to different things. And so we don't want to be uh, comparing ourselves to somebody else. Oh, look at you know, their ministry or look at their life, how much fruit there. I wish I was like that. But we each have our responsibility before God with our own gifting, with our own passions, how he's made us to bear fruit there. So we don't compare. What do we do with this information? As I was thinking about application, I was in my truck and the check engine light comes on. What do you do when your check engine light comes on? I do, sometimes I look at it and I go, eh, it's not true. <laughs> it's mistaken. You know, last time they're like, yeah, there's nothing wrong. They just reset it. So there's nothing actually wrong. Or does the check engine light come on? You're like, I know something's going on. I should get around to that. But then you go to soccer practice. You see the light. I should get around to that. Oh, date night. Check engine light. I should get around to that. Oh, I got to go do this. I got it. And then finally, you're broken down on the side of the road because you never actually dealt with the check engine light. And if you don't deal with the check engine light, you're going to be stuck on the side of the road. And that's just the car. What you do with the information your car gives you is up to you. It's the same with the word. Jesus, through scripture, through this and you daily in the word, you receive it. What do you do with it? What you do with it is up to you. And the consequences are way greater than being broken down on the side of the street. They're eternal. Do we want lives of fruitfulness? What we do with this information is up to us. This is the last note in your notes. Choose Jesus above all else, no matter what it costs. He is worth it. And I would add in there, he is true. He is true. Lord Jesus Christ, we want to be good soil. We want to respond to your word with obedience, faithfulness. Jesus, I do ask that you would bear great fruit in and through us, fruit of salvations of souls, fruit of good works, as you say in Ephesians 2.10, that there are good deeds that you prepared beforehand that we would walk in, and we want to bear good fruit for your glory. It's all about you. God, thank you for these children in the room. Each one of them, their insights, their faith. God, I pray that they would live fruitful lives, that every kid in this room would choose to follow you. They would surrender to you and they would, you would enter their lives, change their hearts, and use them for your glory. Bless us.
In Jesus' name, amen. This is our opportunity to respond to God.